Did Sean just ask us to say something funny or dirty that he can put at the beginning of the episode? My oven mitts are pretty dirty. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Minimalists Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I am Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are The Minimalists. Welcome to episode number 53. Today, we are going to talk about organizing. Boring. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's it's a weird topic, and, and I think quite often we get confused about organizing and I'll tell you this, I think quite often the, the professional organizers, Ryan, they're the ones who actually get it mm. because they understand. In fact, we, so you and I were hired to go speak at this conference at uh, NAPO a couple years ago, give a keynote address. And the reason that they hired us to give a keynote address is because of a 15-word blog post that, that we wrote. And all it said was, the easiest way to organize your stuff is to get rid of most of it. And... I think professional organizers are the ones who actually understand that. Now, for us amateurs who, who aren't dealing with the, the clutter on a daily basis of other, other people's clutter, I should say, it's, it's, we quite often will confuse this idea of organizing with decluttering. Mm. They're not the same thing. I used to have a very organized life back in my 20s. Remember my basement, all the boxes and yes. bins? And yeah, your house wasn't very, like, cluttered per se. Right. It was Maybe organizing isn't decluttering. It's like, um, it's like faux cluttering oh. or, <laughs> or faux uncluttering. I don't know. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's something to, to do with hiding the clutter. It's, yes. It's putting a veneer. And so we had a, a big basement where I lived, and that basement was just full of stuff we no longer used and it was alphabetized <laughs> we had a, you had a ping pong table down there and i remember you have like like 30 or 40 different like big plastic totes yeah stacked on top of each other there was a maze of totes that you'd have to like you'd walk through the maze it was next to the so we'd use that ping pong table it was the thing we actually used in in the basement and then everything else was just a maze of, of different totes and organizing containers from like the container store or whatever yeah. and I think organizing is okay, but truly the best way to organize your stuff is to get rid of most of it so that the things that you do have left behind are much easier to organize. And so that's really what we'll be talking about today. But before we dive in, Ryan, I I saw some news on Twitter that you're not going to be able to unhear after I tell you this. Oh, no. And everyone listening to this is not going to be able to unhear either. The San Diego Chargers are moving to L.A. That might be true. I don't know. (laughs) And I don't really care. Actually, and so um, what I do. What shocked me is someone said, "I just realized who JFM sounds like." Oh yes, I did see this. He sounds like Seinfeld. I I've never. I still don't see it. Honestly. Well, I didn't either, but I've never seen a full episode of Seinfeld. And so I just went and listened to some of his stand-up when someone said that. We don't have the same cadence at all. He puts on this shtick that I, I just don't have. But when you hear him talking normally, 
there were a few seconds where I thought I heard myself. Oh wow! And so that's a compliment. I that's yeah okay, cool. Dude, Seinfeld's awesome. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, with I, that. I mean, I'm not just talking about the show. The show is great, but I mean, I think Jerry Seinfeld's a great individual in general, man. I mean, yes, yeah. it's just it's interesting to me that I I mean I know I've been told I look like Christopher Walken at least once or twice a week, but now I, I sound like Seinfeld, and you will not be able to to unhear that at this point. Uh, before we we dismount from this intro here. Uh, some good news. Our Boston event tickets just started going on sale for that. So we're going to be doing some tour stops throughout 2017. The first tour stop is in Boston. You can find that as well as other tour stops at theminimalists.com slash tour. You can get your tickets over there. You can also sign up for our email newsletter to be notified of any new events that are coming to your area. We hope to see you there. It's going to be at the historic Wilbur Theater. And uh, it seats about a thousand people. We're going to do a live Easy. version of the podcast. Have we ever had a theater that fit a thousand people in it? Um, I don't. Well, yeah. I mean, we did TEDx Fargo. Um, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That, there was like eighteen hundred people there. But we've had a few events where we've had to do double headers because, you know, like in Sydney, Australia, right? There when, were a couple thousand or like fifteen hundred people or something. Right, that right. And so this will be great because in Boston, last time we were there, those tickets sold out pretty quickly. So if you're interested in going, if you're anywhere in the New England area. You can still get really great seats right now, but that's limited. Uh, just head on over to theminimalists.com slash tour, grab your ticket, sign up for the newsletter to find out when we're coming to your city as well. All right, let's, uh, let's dive in. Our first question is from Tracy in Vermont. I'd like to know what does um, your maintenance look like in terms of minimalism? Um, like what do you have to do to maintain your level of not having too much stuff. Um, I I went through a, a decluttered my pantry last summer and it has gotten full again. And I'm not sure. I mean, obviously, I'm buying too much stuff, but um, I don't know. I'd just like to know if you have any tips for staying staying decluttered or staying low on stuff. Um, how often do you go through your stuff and, and weed stuff out? Things like that. Josh, what I do, I got a girlfriend mm-hmm. who's not a minimalist, uh-huh. so I just blame everything on her. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a lot of stuff, but she has a ton of crap. No, <laughs> totally kidding. In fact, whenever you buy something new, you just say it's hers? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> Mariah, I love your new bowling ball. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that Homer Simpson? <laughs> yes. That's a total Simpsons reference. He bought Marge a, uh, a bowling ball that said Homer on it. <laughs> For her birthday. <laughs> Oh, if you don't if you don't Classic. use that, I know someone who will. <laughs> oh shoot! No, you know, for me, it's all about the rules and the habits that that I have instilled. Like I hate to make it sound so simple, although that's what we are good at, right? Giving very simple answers. Yeah, the... t- taking something complex and making it relatively simple, yeah. but don't don't, simple don't and easy. think that's easy. Yeah. yeah, simple definitely and easy. But you know, for me. Um, Whenever I get that feeling, because I do, like, I will, the junk drawer, like, I always, I always talk about that because that is probably my biggest uh, clutter, cluttered spot. Uh-huh. It's like I will get a, oh, I don't know, man. You know how, like, you can scan checks? Yeah. And you can send them to your bank account, like, through your phone. But it's like, hey, make sure to hold on to this check for 90 days. Right. Well, I don't have, like, a filing system for that because if it was in a filing system, I probably would never – I would just put it in the filing cabinet and then – It would stay there forever. Exactly. So sure. I'll, I'll just throw it in the junk drawer. Uh, same thing with, like, um, tracking numbers. If I'm mailing off, um, you know, something like a, 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 a package 
wherever. Like, you get a tracking number. I will take that receipt and put it in the junk drawer. You go to UPS, they give you, here's your tracking number. Right, and I'll throw that in the junk drawer. I mean, so, like, that I is... the same exact thing. I put that... <laughs> yes. I file that under F for file um, <laughs> in my junk drawer. No, but, like, that's where all of those, like, random, you know, things that I have to hold on to temporarily will go. And inevitably, what will happen is, you know, 90 days will pass or 30 days, however long I'm supposed to hold on to something. Uh-huh. And uh, it stays in there. And then my junk drawer starts to overflow. But then I notice it. And I'm like, oh, crap. Like, okay, it's time to clean out the junk drawer. Like, what I don't do is, um, you know, start junk drawer number two. Ooh, yeah. Like I used to do. I, I used to do that as well. I had I had quite a few junk drawers and then junk boxes. And <laughs> it was just, I mean, think about the, the connotation here, though. It's junk. Yeah. It's literal junk. And, and at some point, it's not. You, you say you need these receipts for 30, 90 days, whatever it may yeah. be. It's not junk during that time frame because it serves some sort of purpose. But there's an expiration date, just like there is on, on milk in your fridge. Eventually, it goes from being useful to being completely useless and in the way. And I think that's what we need to discern. When when does this thing become junk? Mm. And when I, when I look at, you know, so she, she mentioned her, her pantry and that she decluttered it six months ago and now all of a sudden six months later, that pa- now pantries are usually a decent size, you're bigger than a junk drawer, but they can become a giant junk drawer where there are things that you've been holding on to for years, that old bag of flour that's expired. I mean, when flour expires, you've had it for a long time, yeah. right? And, and so uh, there are things that you'll hold on to in there that you're just – you're simply not using. Now, here, here's what I'll say is it also does depend on who, who you're living with. I mean, you, you mentioned jokingly earlier that you have Mariah there and you can blame stuff on As her. As my scapegoat. Yes. Right. Now, I, I live with someone who is certainly a minimalist uh, with uh, – not Ella. Ella – well, Ella's a, a minimalist in training. Yeah. But Bex, she is definitely a minimalist. But her level of minimalism is different from mine, especially in the kitchen. And so having all these additional accoutrements and, and having things not as organized as I would like necessarily is uh, something I have to be able to deal I, There's a certain level of clutter that I need to be able to deal with because it's, it's functional clutter. And I still may consider it to be clutter. If you want to take a tour of our kitchen and decide whether or not uh, there's clutter there at all, you, uh, Becca has a website called Minimal Wellness. And if you just go to minimalwellness.com slash kitchen, she did a uh, – Ryan and I did tours of our houses, but she did just like a kitchen uh, tour. Where you can see inside the, the junk drawers and the cabinets. And, you know, but she uses everything that she has there. And I can tell you, for me, uh, I'll go back to that initial thing we talked about at the beginning of this episode, Tracy. The easiest way for you to organize your stuff is to get rid of most of it. And so when, you, when it comes to your pantry – uh, maintenance has to do with having fewer things to maintain. And once you get down to what's an acceptable level, and by the way, that can be a moving target, that can change over time, then I really think maintenance starts with, with the questions that you are asking yourself. So ask yourself, does this add value when you're going through there? So for anyone playing the minimalist drinking game, you can take a shot now. <laughs> I think we've, we've, we've we waited at least be wasted what, by the end of the minutes. show, Josh. Uh, <laughs> well, our, our drinking game, for those of you unfamiliar, is instead of taking a drink every time we say add value, you're supposed to get rid of something. So, uh, Tracy, you can go into your pantry now and get rid of at least one item, or I've said it at least twice now, so two items. But ask that question, does it add value? But what other questions will empower you? You can figure out some empowering questions for you uh, anytime you go into that, that pantry. And also, I would look at, Ryan, you mentioned the rules, and, and I would just say maybe you need to adjust the time frames a little bit. Yeah, Tracy, you said that 
obviously you've bought too much stuff or, or there's too much clutter in your pantry after six months, well, maybe you just need to adjust the, the time frame there that instead of waiting six months to declutter that thing, maybe it's 90 days, it's 30 days that you do an assessment. I can tell you with my, my digital files on my computer, I'll go through the beginning of each month and I'll just delete a bunch of stuff mm. that I haven't used in the last 30 days and I'm not going to use in the next 30. And so I think that can be helpful, especially in, in the physical world. What are the, some things in your pantry that you can delete that are, are truly just in case items, not just for when. Like I realize that there are going to be some seasonal things. You've got that can of, of pumpkin that you're going to use next Thanksgiving or can something. Can of pickle beets. Right, right. I mean, there are things that you're going to actually eat, but you have to be honest with yourself. And the cool thing is there's, there's some stuff in your pantry now you can let go of. You can donate to your local food bank, and someone else will actually use that stuff. They will get value from it. And so it's up to you to determine what are the things you're going to use. Give yourself a time frame, and then stick to, stick to that time frame. And the other thing I would do is, is consider whether it's that monthly purge or every three-month purge, put it on your calendar. That's how I know to go onto my computer and, and say, well, it's time for me to start deleting these old files. At the beginning of each month, I have a little calendar reminder, and I'll spend half an hour to an hour doing it. Now, it's interesting, Ryan. I, I, this morning, I brought you a blender because I, I got a new blender recently. And this is a total coincidence, but I was, I was cleaning out some stuff from my pantry this weekend. And I, I bought a new blender because I needed a bigger one because I'm doing just a ton of, of smoothies every, every day to try to, I'm dealing with some health stuff, as many of the listeners know. And, and so I'm doing these, these beet and uh, kale and probiotic smoothies. They're not very tasty. Uh, sounds good. I was yeah. just going to sound like it actually sounds pretty good. It's a beet, kale, ginger, and probiotic. Uh, and yeah. I'll, I'll usually put a few blueberries in there to sweeten it up a little bit. And then I'll do some collagen as well. Mm. And so I've got this huge blender now and that, that I'm getting a ton of value from using it every day. And I had this much smaller Nutribullet kind of blender. And I know yours just broke from what you told me. And so I brought it in trying to figure out, will Sean or will Ryan get some use out of it? And so the other thing to think about there, and if not, of course, I'm just going to put it in our donation box. So if you go take a look at my house store at theminimalists.com slash Milburn, you'll see one shot there. Uh, on the stairs, there is a donation box. Now, we don't keep a donation box on the stairs every single day, but when it's t- at the beginning of the month, when it's time to get rid of that thing, I will intentionally put it in the way so I constantly have to walk past the donation box knowing that, okay, now's a good time for me to determine what things in the house do I need to donate? What haven't I used in the last 90 days? So the 90-90 rule is a rule that works really well for me. Have I used it in the last 90 days? Am I going to use it in the next 90? And then I'll put it in the donation box, and we'll take it over to Goodwill or Donation Warehouse and let them uh, figure out who's going to get value from it. Uh, let them be the intermediary. I'm not going to necessarily go to someone's house and say, could you use this? I'll check with some people I care about first and give you a nice blender that I have, but otherwise I'm going to donate it, let them find it a a new home. And Tracy, I'd love to give you a, a pair of tickets. I know you're up in Vermont, so it's about two or three hour drive down to Boston. If you want to make a day trip uh, this April, we'll be there. Uh, tickets at theminimalists.com slash tour, but we'll send you a pair of those if you're interested. Sean, if you could reach out to her and see if that's something that she would like, we'll get you a, a couple of those tickets for that event at the Wilbur Theater. All right, our next voicemail question is from... Savannah in Grand Rapids. 
I've been trying to put a lot more focus lately on being more intentional with my time and my days. And a lot of the different things that I've been reading about have talked about uh, using a, a notebook or some type of physical paper planner to plan out your days and uh, kind of set your intentions for the day. While I like the idea of that and I kind of understand uh, how that might be more intentional um, in doing that process of physically writing pen on paper. It's not something that I think will really work well for me. Um, I don't really want to carry around another item with me day to day. Um, I really prefer to use the calendar on my phone, so I just have that with me all the time and I can reference it if needed. I also use a shared calendar with my husband so that we can kind of stay on the same page and know what's going on in our lives day to day, what appointments are coming up, birthdays, things like that. So I feel like I'm sort of stuck in between, um, you know, liking the idea of trying to be more intentional um, in when I'm planning out my days and things like that, but I don't want to use a paper planner. So I just wanted to see if you guys had any suggestions or maybe could share what you use or how you kind of set your intentions for the day or your calendar planner, that type of thing. So you're certainly uninspired to use this this paper planner, even though people have suggested it to you and said, try it out. Here's what I'll say. If you want to try it out, great, but it sounds like you don't want to try it out at all. And so I certainly wouldn't recommend it. You, you already have this adverse reaction to it. Now, does it mean that it may be worth trying for you to see if you can break a pattern? Yeah, possibly. But uh, well, the thing I'll tell you is uh, I'm less concerned about the tools. I'm much more concerned about the action itself. So if you're in, more interested in planning, it's not about the, the paper that you're using or the pen. You know, none of us care which quill that Thomas Jefferson used to pin the Declaration of Independence. Except Ryan, he is a quill aficionado. <laughs> but, but most of us most of us don't really care. We don't care what, what pencil that Stephen King used to write Carrie or whatever. What we care about is the, the action of, of doing the, the work or doing the planning in this case. And so the method that you use to plan, you can find one that's going to be ideal for you. You can try. I recommend trying some out, so maybe trying the paper method and comparing that to other methods. Personally, I don't have a, a physical planner. I use the calendar on my phone. Ryan and I have a shared calendar that we use for different things. We have the minimalist calendar. We have a, a PR calendar for different interviews that we do. Uh, we, our podcasting it goes on the minimalist calendar. We have individual calendars that we share with each other so that we can book time accordingly. And so that actually works a lot better for me, just having the basic Gmail or Google calendar entry. But uh, uh, some other things to test. I can tell you what I've done. You mentioned planning your day's intentions. There's something called the five-minute journal, and we can put a link to that in the show notes, Sean, if you don't mind. It's something that I've tried in the past. I didn't get a ton of value from it, but I know a lot of people who have found value in it that you, you write down some things that you're grateful for. And you don't have to use that particular journal, but it's a physical journal that has all the lines and the questions there lined out for you. You spend five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the evening, and it really does help you focus your intentions for the day. So instead of carrying around a planner with you all day, that might be a good intermediary step for you. 
And then also keep in mind that some of us are visual learners, some of us are auditory learners, some of us are kinesthetic learners. And if you're, uh, and we're all a combination of, of the three, obviously. If you're more visual and kinesthetic, then having that physical uh, journal in front of you might might help out a lot. I know Sean, our fearless uh, stalwart producer here at uh, the Minimalist Podcast, he is constantly writing all the time, and, and so he probably is a much more kinesthetic learner than I am. I'm a much more auditory uh, learner than than most people, and so t- saying things out loud repeatedly helps me out. It also helps me look like a crazy person, uh, but I'm I'm okay with that. And and so when I do write things down, I I usually put it in the memo pad of my phone. I've got just tons and tons of memos that I'm able to organize the way that I like it organized, but that's the system that works for me. Ultimately, planning your days, Savannah, is going, is going to have a lot more to do with the tools that you find the most benefit from and not the tools, them, so not, some, not someone prescribing the tools to you. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, I, I would just echo exactly what you said. Um, the only thing I think I would add is whatever you choose, stick to it. Like whatever method, whether uh, you do the memo pad on your phone, uh, memo pad on, on your computer, that's what I do too, Josh. Like I've got on my phone, if you know, I got a country lyric that comes to mind, like a line already. Ryan's constantly working on a country album, yes. by the way. Yes, I love it. Um, he doesn't listen to country music, but he he's creating a country <laughs> album that he wants to listen to. Yes, we have like... Um, no, we don't even have an EP yet. But you, you say know, we as in... me and Mariah, we work on this together, man. Um, What's uh, your well, band name? Do you have one yet? No, what, one was recommended to me, uh, Nico Dayton from uh, one of my buddies in LA, mm. um, because you know Nicodemus and you know from Dayton, Ohio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's as close to a name uh, that we have. But I, I don't, I'm not very fond of that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, but no, I'll write down an essay idea in there. Um, I'll tell you what, on my memo pad on my computer. Mm-hmm. I have my schedule, like my ideal schedule. I, you know, I don't get to follow this every single day. I know I've shared it on past podcasts, but I keep it like right here on my computer so um, I can constantly reference it. But, you know, at the end of the day, Savannah, yeah, you don't need any particular item to help you stay more organized. I, the, the hardest part of staying organized is following through with whatever tactic you use to stay organized. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Ryan. Stick with it. Until you don't want to stick with it anymore, meaning you you have some sort of planned date where you're, I'm going to reevaluate this. If you're going to yeah. try the, the five-minute journal thing, for example, try it for at least 30 days. And, and then at the end of that, you can determine, okay, I am getting immense value from this mm-hmm. or I'm getting no value or I'm getting some value. And if I change it a little bit, then then I will get much more value from it. Yeah. Uh, people are drunk by this point in the podcast already. <laughs> add value, add value, add value. <laughs> no, um, the other thing too that I do that helps me out a lot is I will I will plan my week out with Mariah. Uh-huh. So like on Sundays, uh, sometimes it's Saturdays, um, we will plan out like what that following week is going to look like. And mm-hmm. then I will every single night before I go to bed, I'm looking at that calendar like – Actually, even before I go to bed, because you know it'll be six o'clock at night, and I'm like, oh man, I want to, you know, Mariah wants to watch, you know, this movie or something, and mm-hmm. or it's eight o'clock at night, and that'll keep me up. It's a three hour movie. It's going to keep me up till eleven. Before I make that decision, like I'll pull up my calendar. I'm like, okay, what do I got to do tomorrow? Mm-hmm. What time do I need to get up? Oh shoot, I got to record a podcast tomorrow. Probably don't want to stay up till eleven thirty or midnight tonight. Right. So um, I think uh, checking your schedule out before you go to bed is going to help. And then in the morning, like I, I check it again in the morning, like just to remind myself what I have. But that totally sets the attentions. Like today. We're recording a podcast, and I got a couple mentoring appointments later on, um, and I am totally prepared for that. Uh, if you want to set your attentions, though, because that's the one thing that really stood out with this question, Savannah, 
meditate. Just take for like five minutes, whether it's at night or in the morning. And, you know, just or both or both. Yeah. And just set your attentions in. Like I do that all the time. I, you know, I will sit there for five minutes. Um, and because my mind goes a million miles an hour, I will take five minutes uh, instead of in complete silence because that's almost impossible for me. Sure. I bet if I worked hard enough, I could eventually get there. Uh-huh. Uh, but, you know, right now it's, it's not very possible. So I sit there and I think about, okay, what do I want to do today? What do I really want to focus on? So, um, you know, I didn't do this, this, I didn't do it this morning, but uh, some mornings, you know, let's say if I did do it this morning, I would just be thinking to myself, okay, Ryan, you're going to have a great podcast and you're gonna have some really good mentoring appointments. Everything's gonna go really, really well. And, uh, and I would just sit there and focus on some positive thoughts. You know, I'm not trying to be too woo woo here, mm-hmm. um, but certainly seeding those, those good intentions in the, in the morning. Um, it, it does help me when, when I do, uh, put that practice into my life. So, and I, I would just add to that, Ryan, it, it depends on what kind of learner that person is for me saying those things out loud help, helps me immensely. The, the incanting oh, yeah. repeatedly uh, will, will definitely help me, you know, set that intention is, is the way that she put it. I, I would just call it incantation Yeah. Or, because ultimately what we focus on is where our energy for the day is going to go. And so for me, quite often what I'll do, especially if I'm doing sauna in the morning and no one else is in the sauna, then I will, I, I'll say some things out loud that I want to focus on for the day because I know that if I say it repeatedly, I'm going to embed that. And it's like, it's like the grooves in a record and that's, that's what I'm doing for my day. I'm a record for for my day and I will do that out loud you may want to write that down or you may need some sort of visual reminder it could be an artistic reminder it's really up to you how to, how to put that in front of you and and I, I would just go back to saying that the tools matter less I, I write a lot on my phone now especially if it, just some some basic ideas I, I don't do full-on composition on the phone I used to though when, when I had a blackberry Way back in the day, I mean, because it had a full keyboard, it had that full man. I miss the, I really do miss the BlackBerry. That was a great tool that I got a lot. I, I saw John Mayer tweeted this this weekend. I think he said, uh, "My my BlackBerry is a lot like my high school girlfriend. Like it's, uh, it doesn't make sense for us to be together now, but." It's the deepest love I've ever had. <laughs> I totally butchered it. But, but yeah, no, uh, I get what you're saying. I, I, I did get a lot of value from having that full keyboard, and yeah. I wrote a lot with that keyboard. So that, that tool helped me. But, but moving forward, as technology grows, you have to give up one thing for another. But it's much more about like what you said at the beginning, having the habit in place mm-hmm. and then letting the tools augment that experience or amplify the experience as opposed to letting the experience be dependent on those tools. One last thing I would add, Ryan, is I think it's important to ask yourself, well, what are your values? Mm. And then structuring your day around those values. You and I, in our first book, uh, Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life, we wrote about the, the five higher order values, the health, relationships, creativity, or passion, whatever you want to call it, and then growth and contribution. And you could give those different terms, those values. You could call growth learning, for example, or you could call it creativity even. How, how do you grow? And so identify what your values are and then quite often structure your day around those. That will identify how you should shape your day. That will, that will identify what your daily actions should be. Because if you show me your calendar, you show me your, your daily actions, and I can show you what your real values are. And so if you're spending all of your time uh, perusing Facebook or, or watching TV, then maybe you value pacification, or I know I did for a long time, or, or maybe you value entertainment. 
Uh, and the question is, do you have a good balance of that? So figure out what your values are. Instead of letting your, your actions dictate your values, switch that around and let your, your values dictate how you spend your day. Uh, Savannah, I'd love to send you a copy of that book. It's called Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life. Sean, if you could reach out to her and either send her the, the book version itself or uh, it's now out on audiobook read by Justin Mollick, who did just such a phenomenal job. It's a relatively short book as well. I think it's maybe 130 pages. It's our shortest book. Uh, which is apropos since it's called minimalism. And the audiobook, I think, is just over two and a half hours. So that's relatively short as well. So if you have a, an audible download code, maybe you could send one to her. I'd appreciate it, Sean. All right, our next question is from Greg in Denver. I'm wondering if you've read the minimalist esque books by Marie Kondo, The Sparking Joy and The Life Changing Magic of Tidying Up, and what you thought of them. I did read both of them, and I will say I like her idea of going by category rather than room as the 175 shirts that are now going to Goodwill this afternoon can attest. I find it a much faster way to get things done. I don't know why, but I really enjoyed it. I was wondering if you guys had any thoughts on that. As I've mentioned in the too-long intro to this episode, um, professional organizers – seem to be the ones who, who really understand that the best way for us to, to organize our lives is to have less stuff to deal with. In order to do that, we have to start sorting through the things we do have and then intentionally bringing new things into our life that act as tools or bring joy in, in some way. So you're asking about uh, Marie Kondo's uh, books that, that she had. And um, what I'll tell you is I think a lot of people get a lot of benefit from those. Those books are very focused on the how-to side of things, and I think for many people that can be very important, you know, knowing how to appropriately fold your socks or whatever. Uh, for me and Ryan, we're much more concerned with the why-to side of things. What's the purpose behind decluttering? Because I found for me personally and for thousands if not millions of our audience – uh, they have found more benefit and more leverage in understanding what's what are the benefits of of letting go and so i think you can have you can have both understanding the why to really helps you embrace that how to side of things i think all we all instinctually know how to declutter our closets or how to declutter our kitchens that's why ryan and i don't tend to write essays about how to declutter your home. We're much more concerned about the the why, and, and that will lead you to the what, and which will eventually lead you to the, the how side of things, how to declutter. Ryan, I, I saw an article this weekend. I think our friend Colin Wright tweeted it out, and, and it was – it's from the Atlantic, and, and we'll put a link to it in, in the show notes. I won't bother reading the whole thing, but the, the gist of it, uh, I think the title of it was The Condo Method Doesn't Work for Hoarders. And I just wanted to say, well, yeah, no crap, it doesn't work for hoarders, right? I mean, the the how if you are, I mean, so across the street from from where I live, there's that hoarder's house. Like yes. literally, there's boxes uh, stacked up. They don't have curtains; they just have boxes stacked up above every window. It's it's quite the irony that literally directly across the street from one of the minimalists <laughs> is one of the hoarders. Yeah, and and. Real hoarding is a mental illness. It's it's a, an extreme form of OCD, and it shouldn't be taken lightly. So if someone has has uh, a, 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 some sort of mental illness, I'm going to encourage you to seek professional help, whether that's uh, someone at NAPO, the, the National Association of Professional Organizers. We'll put a link to them in the show notes as well, or from a therapist. 
So in the article, Ryan, uh, the lady who's profiled, her name is Marnie. She isn't finding value in what is supposedly uh, Marie Kondo's most famous tip. So, so you and I, back in 2011, we, we wrote about uh, everything that I own adds value to my life. Mm-hmm. So you can take a shot, everyone. And really what we mean by that and what we wrote was, as a minimalist, everything serves a purpose or it brings me joy. And then in, in Marie Kondo's 2014 book, she, she echoed that sentiment and, and said that everything that you own should spark joy. Mm-hmm. And while I wouldn't, certainly wouldn't phrase it that way, uh, with with the word spark, I mean, I, I would just say, does it bring bring me joy? And the problem that Marnie has in this article, she says everything gives me joy. Mm, and the that's tr- a problem. It, it is a problem, and especially because earlier on in in the article, she talks about having nine out of ten anxiety walking into the mall. She's confused. She thinks that she's getting joy from these things, but it's actually overwhelming her, stressing her out, giving her anxiety. And so I think it's a very powerful article. And and really, I think a professional, whether it's a therapist or someone from the National Association of Professional Organizers, they can really help you get down to that why and identify how, how letting go is going to help you. Because the truth is, no, not everything is bringing you joy. You think it does. It gives you this ephemeral bit of pleasure when you purchase it. But then when you're not using it, it doesn't continue to give you that joy. And so we need to become more responsible with the the things that we have in our house and being willing to let go of those. And then, of course, being more responsible with the things that we we ultimately bring into our lives. Yeah, I don't really have anything to add to that, man. Um, I have not read either of those books, so I don't feel like I should really have an opinion um, about you know, what her tactics are, because I really don't know her tactics deep. Uh, But what I do know is that, yeah, a lot of people get value out of her books. Again, like, it doesn't matter, you know, I'm going to go back to what uh, I was saying to Savannah, it doesn't matter what method you pick, uh, just pick a method and stick to it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, for some people, the Marie Kondo uh, method is going to be great. I've heard a lot of people, a lot of our readers who Mm -hmm. um, prefer that method. That's great. So yeah, just pick a method, whatever, whatever, uh, whatever method it is, it doesn't matter, just stick to it. And Greg, if you want a well-rounded approach, so if you've got if you've read the the how-to books and you found some value in it, great. And you want a why-to book, I'm going to send you a copy of our memoir. It's called Everything That Remains. It's a book that Ryan and I wrote about our five-year journey from being these suit and tie corporate guys to becoming minimalists and ultimately the minimalists, and and that entire journey, that process of letting go from from the very beginning uh, and discovering this thing called minimalism to embracing minimalism and and uh, implementing it in our day-to-day lives. So, Sean, if you can give him a, a copy of that book or very soon we'll have the ebook, I'm sorry, the audiobook version that is is it was just finished. So, Justin Mollick just finished the the version we're waiting for Audible to to approve it. So, we're going to have the audiobook version of everything that remains out there really soon. So if he wants to wait uh, a week or two to, to get that that audio version of it, we can send that to him as well, whatever he'll find the most value in. All right, our next question is from Tanya in Baltimore. I have an overwhelming amount of digital documents and photos from college of my daughter and from Sidewalk. I was a photographer. These files are spread across two computers, external hard drives, my phone, iCloud, Google Drive, and Google Photos. I'm scared I'm going to lose important files in this whole mess. So how do I go about decluttering my digital files and eliminating duplicates, as well as creating a system that's organized, easily maintained, and safe? Tanya, this is a, this is a great question because uh, their, <laughs> digital clutter is certainly 
um, it can be an issue for a lot of people. Uh, as I was listening to this question, I thought to myself, like, okay, if I had to start from square one, mm. like, how would I approach this this horde of digital pictures and scanned images, so forth and so on? Boxes of photos, old paperwork, <laughs> right. files. What would you do? So I've got these five steps for Tanya. Uh, first, I would choose where you want to store all of your digital files. It may be on your computer. I would not recommend that uh, if it's only on your computer then that's the only spot it is. Mm -hmm. Um, You could also put it on a hard drive. Again, wouldn't recommend just putting it on a hard drive if Mm -hmm. something happens to the hard drive. And unfortunately, like I have seen uh, people who have had, you know, like a terabyte uh, hard drive filled with a bunch of digital content on there and somehow the hard drive locks up and they don't have access to it. Yeah. So um, uh, personally, I use uh, uh, the cloud. I'm not going to like sit here and advertise who I use because they don't pay us. And I think that um, some of the cloud services are, are the same. It doesn't really matter who you pick. I know that um, Hightail is an, is an amazing company. Uh, I only know that because the people who work there, um, we, we have done some speaking engagements for their company. Um, I know some of those people personally. Um, we had, uh, I think in some of our bonus content, we had the CEO of Hightail uh-huh. um, in some of our bonus content. So great people there. Dropbox is certainly a, a good company too. Uh, you could use them. Um, but num- step one, choose where you want to store all of your digital files. Step number two, schedule a time to tackle these files. Mm. It sounds like you have a, a mess and it's going to be, it's going to take a lot of work. It's going to be difficult to organize this mess. I do think that, yes, this is certainly a situation where uh, going through and organizing is going to help you be a little bit more clear on where these photos are. But what you'll find, too, is once you go through this, you're going to start getting rid of stuff, too. Like, for me, I had a bunch of old, like, you know, college papers. I don't know why. If, like, somehow, you know, you get this dream where you're like, oh, Ryan, you, you actually are one credit short from graduating, and we need all of your old school papers. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a dream. That's a nightmare. Yeah, right, right, exactly. And I remember um, when I was going through, you know, decluttering my digital stuff, I came across, like, you know, my 101 classes, and then my two, you know, whatever, 200 classes. And I just deleted everything because I'm like, I'm never going to use these papers again. Right. And holding on to them for some reason, like thinking about holding on to them was like kind of stressing me out. And I was like, I'm just going to go and get rid of them. That's an important point because it was stress. If it wasn't stressing you out and it was just out there on some hard drive or cloud, it's not really that problematic. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, yeah, I, I, I agree. But with if that. it, it for, I'm the same way, obviously, you know, we, we talked about this last episode. I'm a ball of stress. So deleting the things helps me out a lot for yeah. sure. Yeah. Okay. So schedule the time to tackle these files. And then uh, step number three, which I guess maybe this is like 2.5, I don't know. But take it one device at a time. Like, you know, either start with your computer first or your phone first or your mm. tablet first. And just take it one chunk at a time. Keep it simple, as simple as you can. And then, uh, you know, step number four, when you're going through those files on that device, choose either the easiest or the hardest group of files to start with, depending on your, your style. Like Josh, you know, he, w- when he decluttered, it took him several months to declutter. Right. That is, that is your style. Right. Uh, for me, I'm like, dude, I don't, if I, if I, if I take six months to declutter, I'm never going to get decluttered. Right. Let's have a packing party. So I did it in, you know, three weeks. Yeah. So, uh, depending on your style, some people like to start with the easiest. Some people like to start with the hardest, uh, you choose, but, but start with, uh, one of those and then step number five, repeat. Hmm. Until it's all gone. 
you know, uh, step number three that you were mentioning there about the starting with one device, I think, I, and then move or one box or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. It, I think that's useful. It reminds me of of the story of when they have uh, uh, drug mules that come over like uh, over the border and they they make them swallow these huge like balloons filled with heroin. And and <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? I think so. Yeah, uh, yeah. So so what they'll do with a drug mule? I'm not endorsing this practice, by the way. <laughs> Just I'm laughing at the analogy. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I, I don't know if I sold on like Narcos or something, but right. but um, they 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 put these four huge balloons you have to swallow so you can you can carry them over the border. Well, the truth is that they're going to make you swallow a hundred of these, but they don't put all one hundred on the table at first because you're going to walk in that room and freak out. No, they put four on the table. Mm. And so you get one down, you're already a fourth of the way through this round. And you get the two and three, and then, okay, I'm almost done. Four. Whew, I made it. I feel accomplished. All right, here's four more heroin-filled balloons. And so I think the the same can be true with any of of our clutter. And I agree with with Ryan. It took me a long time to – it took me about eight months to to get rid of about 90% of my possessions. Although I wish, in retrospect, that I would have done a a packing party and just tackled it all at once. I think that would have helped me out a lot. And so I did that with – with a lot of my photos and paperwork, uh, we had something called a scanning party. So Ryan had his packing party, and then we had a scanning party. You can read about that at theminimalists.com slash scanning. And the reason you want to go there is you can see exactly which scanner and digital picture frames that that we use. And the reason that was important for me is we, we took something that was kind of laborious, kind of boring, and I, I can tell even in and in your voicemail, you're like, oh, I gotta, I kind of have to go through this. And we made it a little more fun, right? It, it, it was a stressful event. I've got all the, these things that are stressing me out, all these photos, all these hard drives, whatever it may be. And it's stressing me out. Make it fun by having a scanning party. Bring some friends over, get some food, schedule it. Yeah, and then do the same for your friends as well because more likely than not, they're going to want to do the same thing. They'll see the benefit. Oh, wow, you scanned all these photos. You're actually using them in a digital picture, picture frame? That looks gorgeous. And, and they'll want to do that too. Last Christmas, Ryan, um, actually the Christmas before last, uh, Becca, my partner, and all of her siblings got this digital picture frame for her her parents. And they can now upload new pictures. So her and Ella, Bex and Ella went skiing this weekend. Any pictures from that? They can just upload to their their digital picture frame from you know a thousand miles away or whatever. And so you can use this technology, you can embrace this technology to to use those things that otherwise would just be taking up space in a box in your attic or in your basement or in a photo album that you never look at. You can actually use those things in a digital picture frame. Uh, personally, I also I, I have a little bit of redundancy here. I do an external hard drive. It's like a one terabyte external hard drive where I back stuff up. But then I also have everything in the cloud as well. Uh, as There's Ryan. a lot of redundancy there too. Yeah, absolutely. So if you have a place like Dropbox or Hightail or, or, or wherever – they're not just going to keep your your photos all on one little shared server and then <laughs> that crashes. Oh, sorry about that. No, they know that they have to 
be reliable 100% of the time because if they're not and they lose your photos, well, then that's a huge problem. But uh, I do have... Uh, I do have the hard drive that I'll use, and then, of course, it's backed up in the cloud as well. And when it comes to naming files or renaming files, so once you've scanned those in, the I'll tell you my, my quick method is I will name a file with the year and then the month and then the names of the people who are in, in the photo. That's helped me stay organized. It also helps me search for different photos if I want them in, in the future. Like, oh, I remember the year I took that. It was 2008, and, oh, uh, I think uh, Jason was in that photo, and I just type in... Type in Jason or 2008 or whatever, and I can I can then find that photo that I was looking for relatively easily because I have at least some sort of system. So find that system that works for you. And then I'm going to recommend two places for you to go here. One is we did a whole podcast on technology early on in our podcast. I think it was episode number two. You can go back and find that in our feed, but we'll also put a link to that in the show notes. And there is an entire technology chapter in our book, Essential, which is an essay collection of 150 essays about living a more intentional life. 12 different chapters in there from minimalism to stuff and relationships and passion and success, but there is a technology chapter that, Tanya, I think you'll find a lot of value in that. Sean, if you could send her the book of that, or it's available on audiobook as well. If we have any audible download codes, I'd appreciate uh, whatever one she will find the most value in. All right, we'd love to hear what y'all have to say. So if you have a comment about organizing, including minimalism tips for how you handle organizing or Uh, tips for any of the callers today. Leave us a voicemail at 406-219-7839. We'll air our favorite comments and tips on the next episode. And here is a tip for you. Write down your message before you call. That will help you articulate your point and increase your chance of being on the show. All right, man, you know what time it is. It is time for our hashtag Ask the Minimalists lightning round where we answer questions from social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at The Minimalists and Facebook.com slash The Minimalists. And during this lightning round, this is where Ryan and I do our best to answer each question with just a short, shareable, less than 140 character response. We also put the text to these minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and paste our pithy answers on social media if you'd like. All right, man. Our first question is from John. John asks, how do you recognize when organizing becomes a distraction from or substitution for the thing you set out to accomplish? Well, I think for me, my short answer here, Ryan, is organizing isn't the same thing as letting go. And that's what I tried to allude to early on in the show is quite often we confuse I'm going to just put this in a box and hide it in my basement or hide it in a storage locker, and I'm going to feel more organized that way. And, yes, it may look more organized, but it's not the same thing as letting go, and it's not as freeing as letting go as well. Keep that in mind. Organizing is not nearly as freeing as letting go. Maybe that should be my my pithy maxim for Sean to put (laughs) in the show notes. Uh, My pithy maxim is this. Distraction is a form of procrastination. I think the opposite could also be true there. Yeah. Procrastination often distracts us. When, when I know, because I, I don't feel good when I procrastinate, man. But I, 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 try, not let, I try not to let my, my crastination turn pro. But, <laughs> but I, 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 I see it. More like a novice yeah. procrastinator. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm a uh, faux-crastinator. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, but but no, I, I, I whenever I notice I'm procrastinating, it's because I 
I'm not associating enough pleasure with making the change or taking the action I want to do. And so I need to either associate pain with that procrastination Mm. because you're right. It's absolutely a distraction. Mm. It's distracting me from taking action. And, 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 or what's happening is I'm not associating enough pleasure with, with the action that I want to take going forward. Yeah. All right. Our next question is from curves. I don't think that's the like the the women's gym, or it could be. I don't know. I don't know. What does curves have to ask us, Ryan? How can I keep it simple? I have so many organizing items that merely encourage more stuff. Man, that is definitely a problem because uh, I think it's well said too. Mm. My organizing items encourage more stuff. So my short answer, my short tweetable answer here is. It's quixotic to assume we can use material possessions to combat our problem with material possessions. So we're using you know, fire to fight fire rarely works. There are some forest fire cases sure. where that actually does work. But most of the time, if your house is on fire, Ryan, you don't run in there with you know, some sort of fire spinner saying, I'm going to put this out by doing the fire spinning dance. <laughs> no, you, you want to dump no, water on it. of course I wouldn't do that. <laughs> and, and I think letting go is the water we want to put on the fire here. So, so getting rid of the stuff. And then, yes, there are some tools, some items that can help our experience of organizing and, and help it go better. I'm not completely against organizing. Uh, what I am against is thinking organizing is the same thing and thinking that organizing is actually going to solve our problem with stuff. It's not. And I, I am, I, I would just say, I'm, so because I am more OCD, I'm much more organized mm. than, than your average person. If you compare my junk drawer versus your junk oh, drawer, you, you can actually <laughs> see a picture of, of our junk, junk drawer. Your junk drawer does not look like a junk drawer. Well, and it, but it does to me because I, know you know, I, I share it with other people, right? right. And, and so it's not as pristine as I'd like it. I remember when Bex and I first started uh, living together, it, it was, she's like, you, all of your bottles line up perfectly. Like you've got the olive oil and the almond oil and they're all, they're all pristine. And it's like, yeah, I, I go out of my way to, to make sure everything is immaculate. The only way I can do that though, is by having way less than your average person. Can you imagine me trying to organize 300,000 items in the house? It would be overwhelming and I'd be so stressed out. And I would, it would go back to what that hoarder article was. Yeah, I would feel a nine out of 10 anxiety all the time. But for me, having fewer things radically reduces that anxiety that I feel around those things. And it makes it easier for me to organize those, those few things that I have. Yeah, here's my pithy answer, answer for you. Curves, it's impossible to keep it simple if you have an abundant supply of organizing materials. I think that's great, man, because it's it, by definition, right? By definition, yeah. it, it's not simple. If you have a complex system of organizing, yeah. uh, it, it can't be simple. And so, yeah, have the things that, that do add value, but otherwise get, get rid of that excess organizing material. It, it's, it's, one, it's one more thing you can let go of. Is the saying fighting fire with fire, is that like, does it mean actual fire or does it mean like gun, like shooting guns? Like if someone's firing at you, the yeah. only way to fight back is with fire? No, it comes from forest fires. It does come from forest yeah, fires. Yeah, okay. so, so, there, so we, in the summers, late summers in Montana or all the mountain states for the most part, uh, there are really bad forest fires. Lightning will strike or someone will leave a cigarette lit or something. Usually it has to do with lightning, though, yeah. and, and which makes the only you can fight fire. You can, only you can prevent fire, <laughs> forest <laughs> fires. It's like 
I, I just imagine Ryan out in the woods with a lightning rod or something. <laughs> only uh, only you, you could fight fire with fire. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, where are you going with that gasoline <laughs> matches? I'm going to go prevent forest fires. <laughs> no, but but there will be... Like so the controlled burns Controlled burns that, that yeah. a lot of these places do I'm to prevent you. it from spreading to, to houses. Different I don't know why I just had that thought. But for the most part, head, maybe we can have a controlled burn of our stuff. Get, get rid of that excess stuff. Uh, that, and that will be that will be your fire. <laughs> Do not start a fire in your home. Well, <laughs> okay, fine. What's All our right. next question? Uh, let's see. This one's from Scott. What software, if any, do you use to keep yourself organized? All right. My short answer is I embrace technology, but whenever I rely too heavily on tech, I feel disorganized, and that, that's important to me because. I want these tools to be tools, not crutches for me. I don't want to lean on them too heavily because here's the thing. If the tool goes away, then all of a sudden I'm going to feel helpless. And I don't mm. want to feel helpless because if you feel helpless, that is the extreme version of disorganization. That's the problem with a lot of the hoarders is they just feel helpless. They're mm. drowning in a sea of stuff and, and they, they need some help. And so the technology will help me, but I'm not going to rely too heavily on it. Yeah, I really don't. I mean, besides my calendar and I'm trying to think what else I use. Uh, oh, I have that go-to meeting software that helps like me schedule, um, helps me schedule like mentoring appointments. Uh-huh. Or if anyone wants to talk to me for an hour, uh-huh. uh, you know, community leader from you know one of the minimalist.org groups, I'll, I'll just send them that link. Hey, schedule an hour with me here. So like that, just some little stuff that I use. But you know, ultimately, here's my answer for you, Scott. There's not a piece of software out there that will do the hard work for you. Taking action is our responsibility. Yeah. And I think it's too often that we rely on technology to take the hard work out of it. Uh-huh. And there are certain technologies, that, like Evernote, for example. I know a lot of people who love Evernote. They uh-huh. absolutely love it. I don't love it. Like, I just don't get value out of it. I'm sure that if I sat down and, like, used it every single day and forced myself to, you know, use the, the system that they have, uh-huh. that I would get it. Uh-huh. And maybe would help me organize some things a little bit better, but I am—I don't feel like I'm struggling right now uh, for organization when it comes to you know my essays or when it comes to communication with people. Like I, so so like that tool isn't going to add value for me right off the bat. Like I said, I'm sure it's a solution to a problem you you personally don't have. Correct. Evernote is a great tool, and I've used it in the past, especially for project management. Yes, I'm first... not. Yeah, I'm not saying it's not. A, a, it's not a great tool at all. I want to be very clear on that because, like I said, there are a bunch of people out there who I know personally who use it and love it and get a ton of value out of it. But Evernote is not going to do the hard work for you. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. And so there, I'll just list off a few things I use. I use Scrivener for writing uh, quite often, although I use Google Docs for a lot of stuff when we're, we're sharing things amongst each other. Uh, that That is the easiest way for me to share different writing with people. Uh, we use WordPress for our our blog and so sometimes I'll even write things in WordPress because it helps me write. I, I write in HTML and uh, the, all the links and stuff, and that helps me stay fresh with, with HTML. But, I again, I try not to rely too heavily on those because technology will change. Better technologies will, will come around, and I'm willing to let go of my current technologies. I'm willing to let go of my BlackBerry to embrace whatever the next thing is for the future. And, and so... I'm also willing to, to move forward in mm. order to do that. Sometimes you have to let go of the present. Did I say that I used GoToMeeting? 
Yeah, you said go to meeting. I yeah, didn't I think meant that was schedule right. once. Thank God we don't get paid for advertisements. <laughs> you know, I was <laughs> I thinking about advertising that. the wrong company. So, so we we at the end of most of our episodes, we do something called an added value portion of the show, where we get to talk about something that's added value to our lives recently. And I just thought about it. it's like it's it's an advertisement without advertisements. Right. Like, it's just hey, I, I've really enjoyed this thing. And and I really like it, and I think you will too. And we don't get paid for for recommending any of those things, so it, it means that we can recommend those things in a, in a genuine way. Mm-hmm. Oh, I really like this, and I think maybe, not necessarily, but maybe you'll find value in it too. So yours is called Schedule Once. It's called Schedule Once, and it is it is really saving me a lot of headaches on going back and forth with, oh, can you meet at this time? Oh, no, that's good. Well, give me some other times that you can meet. And- yeah, I remember when you used to have mentoring appointments, and they'd like, well, can you meet? Because they'd be in Australia or something. And Can you meet at 2 p.m. my time? Oh, that's 4 a.m. my time. Right, right. <laughs> right. And and you had to you had to bend around to their schedule. But what you could do then is just publish your schedule online, basically, send them a link and say, here, any of these times are available, and it forces them to, to pick a time that's going to work best for both of you. Right. And so schedule one. Sean, if you want to throw a link to that, I don't know if other people have that same issue, but if, if so, then maybe they can get some value from it. We've got a couple more questions here, Ryan. We do. Um, let's see our next one. B. Downey. How does one avoid using organizing as a rationalization to hang to stuff? Well, for me, um, my short answer is before organizing, pre-treat your possessions by getting rid of most of them. <laughs> this is like an old, uh, this is like an old tip that I, I remember reading in like an Esquire magazine and in somewhere like in my twenties, it said, "Before washing your jean shorts, pre-treat them by throwing them away." <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I don't get it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I like jean shorts. <laughs> It was it was a tip for men, by the way. Um, but yeah, uh, to to uh, pre-treat your 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 possessions by getting rid of most of them. And so so uh, B Downey's question: how how do how does one avoid organizing as a rationalization to hang on to stuff? Is you you don't you have to let go of the stuff first and then organize what remains. Yeah, well, yeah, and remember, part of organizing is getting rid of stuff. Right. I mean that that is. Uh... That is some something that she should keep in mind. Okay, here's here's my answer. Um, Downey, you're allowed to use as many excuses as you want in life, but that doesn't sound like a meaningful life to me, though. So what I mean by that is, is yeah, we're allowed to rationalize however we want, um, but at the end of the day, if you are rationalizing something that you know is just an excuse and is just a rationalization. You know, it's up for it's up to you uh, to decide whether or not you want to continue to hang on to that excuse. But you know what? It's your life. You have the freedom to use any excuses that you want. Mm. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's funny, Ryan. That reminds me of an essay we have on our website that is called "Organizing is Well Planned Hoarding," mm. and I just want to read a quick excerpt from that because I think it, it will succinctly answer answer the question here. We need to start thinking of organizing as a dirty word. It is a sneaky little profanity that keeps us from simplifying our lives. Our televisions would have us believe there's a battle being fought on the consumption continuum, a battle between the organizers and the hoarders. And from our couches, it's hard to see who's winning. We posit to you, though, that these two sides are working together, colluding to achieve the same thing, the accumulation 
of more stuff. One side, the hoarders, does so overtly, leaving everything out in the open, making them easy targets to sneer at. But the other side, the sneaky amateur organizers, are more covert, more systematic, more devious when it comes to the accumulation of stuff. Ultimately, though, organizing is nothing more than well-planned hoarding. Sure, both sides go about their hoarding differently, but the end result is not appreciably different. Whether our homes are strewn wall-to-wall with material possessions or we have a complex ordinal item dispersal system, color-coded and alphabetized, we're still not dealing with the real problem. No matter how organized we are, we must continue to care for the stuff we organize, cleaning and sorting our methodically structured belongings. When we get rid of the superfluous stuff, we can focus on life's more important aspects. We can spend the day focusing on our health, on our relationships, on pursuing our passions. Or we can just reorganize the basement again. Once the excess stuff is out of the way, staying organized is much easier. All right. Our last question is from Andreas. Have you guys ever talked or written about your everyday carry, uh, your phone, your wallet, keys, etc.? Well, my short answer to that, the, the tweetable answer, would be everything I carry, I need. And it reminds me of this, uh, the, what Rob Bell said to us a, a couple years ago. We were at his event, and you were talking about taking on too much stuff, and I was asking about responsible growth and how can we grow responsibly. And, and, and we were looking for this profound answer uh, uh, that was like an exact system of how, what, how should we do this yeah. to grow responsibly? What's your seven-step plan to grow responsibly? And he just looked at you and he said, everything you're carrying, you've picked up. <laughs> yeah, it was genius. And uh, to me, it just blew my mind. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, I, I know it's so simple and, and it seems like a, a very basic maxim like something the Stoics would have said and maybe did say. But – uh, for me, uh, everything that I carry with me is something that, that I truly need. I know our, our, our producer, Podcast Sean here, has a, his fanny pack with him. And uh, Joe Rogan uses a fanny pack as well. And, and that carries everything that they want, and it's all in one place. For me, uh, it's relatively simple. I have my phone with me. I have my wallet. I use a money clamp. Do you still use it? I don't think you still use the money clamp, but you did for years. Yeah, I used the human wallet. Okay. So uh, They sent us like a demo. I don't know if they're selling business or not. I, I think they are. Huh. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. Okay, cool. Yeah. I love it. And uh, I use uh, money clamp. It's just, I think it's moneyclamp.com, Sean. Again, not a, not a sponsor, but I've used a money clamp for probably 10 years now, and I absolutely love it as well. Uh, get a lot of value from that. And it just has the, the very basics that I need. And the nice thing is it doesn't allow me to carry too much stuff because there aren't a bunch of pockets or, or places for me to carry things. And I'm able to keep it in my front pocket so I'm not sitting on it, messing up my back with all the receipts and all that other crazy stuff. It forces me to deal with my stuff because I don't carry that much stuff with me. Although one thing I do carry with me all the time is chapstick. So, <laughs> uh, And then, yeah, I have a, a – I don't know where my keys are. I think I set them over there somewhere. But – uh, I have a little carabiner that has just the most basic keys. I think I have three keys on it. My car key, a house key, and an office key, and, and that is it. Ryan, what's your, what's your everyday carry like? It's probably probably pretty similar to that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, my short answer is comparing our material possessions to others is a great way to see discontent. Ooh. So 
you know, asking like what Josh or I carry, it doesn't, I mean, that's because here's what I'm thinking is like, maybe there's this amazing Swiss army thing that I carry with me that just does, you know, multiple things. Right. Um, someone might hear that and go, Oh wow. I could probably use that in in my life. Uh-huh. And well now like you're just bringing something else into your life that you really didn't need ever. Uh-huh. It's probably not going to make their life appreciably better. Yeah. Uh, but maybe it does for me. Like I used to, I don't carry it so much anymore, but I used to carry just that little, um, it looked like a key. It folded mm-hmm. onto my key ring, but it yeah. was like a little Swiss Army knife thing. Yeah, I remember that. You open boxes and stuff with it. Right. I was. We were always like, especially on tour, opening book boxes and yeah, so forth and so on. But like now I have, like I, I took, because you can't carry it on the airplane. Right. So I took it off on my last flight, which was... I guess when I went to Florida, but I took it off before that flight. Regardless, so it's been, uh, it's I probably actually need to get rid of it because it might almost fall into that uh, uh, junk category. Yeah, that junk category. You're not, it's you're my, not it's using sitting it in my junk drawer right now. Yeah, but but yeah, regardless. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I carry my wallet, my phone. The human wallet's pretty cool. I was, I was actually just looking at it. It's it is a it's a metal wallet, and it protects you like your credit cards from getting demagnetized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and getting like you know someone can pass. I mean, I've this sounds like crazy futuristic stuff, but I guess it's possible. Like someone can pass and like scan your chip. It's totally possible. Yeah. And, and like this will prevent something like that. But I was looking at it and it's all bent up because I also use it as a bottle opener. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's an intended use, but you, you've, yeah. you've made it the extra That's use the one it. recommendation I would have for these guys. Like, man, they if they would have just put like a little, cut out a little bit of a divot for a bottle opener, it would have been uh-huh. perfect. But anyway. Um, but yeah, but like that's not... You know, you don't open bottles. No. So, like, you, you, this wouldn't add value. Can you imagine me carrying a bottle opener with me? It, it, no. it would be absurd. It, yeah. it wouldn't make it. The only time I open a bottle is when there's Topo Chico, which is my favorite sparkling water. Yeah. And, um, yeah, but but otherwise, and usually if I buy that somewhere, someone has a bottle opener to open the thing. But, yeah, I, I, I carry with me every everything I need. Yeah, it doesn't matter what we carry. Whatever yeah. Whatever you want to carry, Andreas, like, you, you carry, man. If it adds value to your life to your everyday life then then do it but what josh and i carry it it doesn't really matter it's like asking us how many things we own right you know it's a silly well it's not a silly question i i understand it is an intriguing question yes uh, we're all warriors in a way yeah exactly yeah um, and, and, and but at the, the end of the day I don't, I don't think that like knowing how many items we carry on us or how many items we have at our home i don't think that adds a lot of value yeah what adds value to my life may not have value to yours and vice versa i don't need to carry the things that you'll find immense value in so uh, yeah, I think that's that's a good place to start. Figure out what you need, carry that, maybe temporarily deprive yourself of something, and then move forward accordingly. All right, now it is time for our added value portion of the show. Uh, this is where we each recommend something that has added value to our lives recently. I'm going to call an audible here, Ryan, because I just mentioned Topo Chico. Uh, sparkling water. I don't know if you've been doing that. There's no Topo Chico where we are right yeah, now. You have to like, order it if you yeah, need it, right? you do. But... Um, I've been doing little tiny slices of ginger in sparkling water in the morning. It is just a slice of heaven. Well, <laughs> Dude, technically, it's a slice of ginger. but <laughs> Slice of ginger heaven. Yeah, yeah. It's a slice of ginger heaven. I will try that out. Yeah, it's so good, and I'll have it with my morning coffee. Do you, like, put it in the bottle before you put the carbonation in there, or do you, like, pour it in a no, glass and then I, you pour the... Yeah, so I try not to drink too much carbonated water. If for whatever reason, puts bags under my eyes. And by the way, someone on, on social media recently asked me about... And this is totally um, 
uh, off the reservation here, but uh, about I talked somewhere about having scalp acne, and that, that's why I took the antibiotics, and it screwed my gut up, and it's led to all my health problems. And they said, well, how'd you get rid of the scalp acne? And I just eliminated soy and dairy. from. I'm allergic to soy. And so it, for any of you who have some crazy scalp nodular acne that you're dealing with, guys or gals, uh, eventually I figured out it was soy. Mm. And so I got rid of 100% of the soy in my diet. And you'll be so amazed by it. Soy is in almost everything. It's unbelievable. It's in the gum that we chew. And, and, I mean, the, you chew regular like Trident gum or something. It contains soy. It's in everything. And so wow. you have to be really careful about what you bring in your life, not just radically reducing it, but, but eliminating soy altogether. And then I eliminate dairy from my diet as well. And those two things. Uh, so, so this that. isn't sparkling water that you put ginger in. This is tap water. No, so so you can do it with tap water as well. Um, I will I will drink. Um, so back to back. Tell to me the, how this water the, is the prepared. What take, is your recipe? I, I will take uh, a piece of ginger and I'll slice it really thin and I'll do like three or four thin slices. Put it in a pint glass mm-hmm. and then I will pour some sparkling water into that pine glass. So I'll limit myself usually to one sparkling, maybe two. Okay. Uh, so it doesn't like it doesn't sit there and like marinate in the glass. It, it well, well a little bit, yeah. Sure. But but it you, doesn't sit overnight or anything. No, no, you you'll okay. taste it right away. Ginger's really strong. So I've been eating a lot of ginger in my my smoothies. Uh, my, my midday smoothies as well. And so I've been ha- just having ginger in the house. I'm going to try this in sparkling water. That'll be good. It's amazing. So that has been adding value to my life. Uh, this ad was brought to you by sparkling water and ginger. <laughs> have, you d- have you done the um, strawberry basil yet? That it's I've, so good. That I told you yes, about? Yes, yeah, I have. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, our uh, PR... But you have to let that sit for a while. Yeah, our PR gal, she had like strawberry basil water. I was like, oh my God, this is the most... Like when we were up there visiting her in Toronto last time, uh-huh. we were up there. I was like, God, this is the most amazing water I've ever had. But yeah, it's got to sit overnight. Yeah. But then, so I started doing, Mariah and I started doing that. And uh, I haven't done this in a while, but uh, like I was on this big kick after we like came back from Toronto. And yeah, you got to let it sit in your fridge at least overnight. But then you could like put it in a soda stream mm. and it just, it's a game changer. <laughs> Have you done that yet? No, I haven't. Dude, it is a game changer. Okay. Because, well, because the thing is, is like, with those soda streams, like you can't put the syrup in there first, right? Like you get, right. you usually have to wait for the syrup. Well, there's no syrup involved with this. Yeah, I don't like the syrup. Tastes fake anyway. Yeah, I don't like it either. Yeah. So, so that's why I'm saying like this is a game changer because it does taste like strawberry basil. Because it is really strawberry basil. Yeah, and then like you can take that and uh, if it's been sitting in there for o- overnight, you can put it in you know your soda stream and it doesn't blow up on you. It can, so just a fair warning. Yeah. If you let it sit too long, uh-huh. and then like you go to put it in your soda stream like five days later, oh. then like it, it can fizz up. It doesn't blow up, but it does fizz up a little bit. Uh-huh. But still, not nearly as bad as like. Remember, um, Brett was trying to do like coffee. He was trying to carbonate coffee. Right. And it was like blowing up on him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's not that bad, but uh, but yeah, it's it's good, man. This segment of the minimalist is brought, <laughs> to, brought you to you by, by strawberries and basil. Golly. Yeah, um, a couple other things that I have added value to my life uh, recently. There was a book I just finished. Um, I've been reading a book a week lately, which has been really nice. Awesome. Uh, uh, a book called Disruptors by Dan Lyons. It's a memoir. This this uh, guy who's in his fifties was laid off from Newsweek as you know that whole industry is downsizing, and he went to go work for a startup called uh, HubSpot. Mm. which you may have heard of. They're, they're in Boston, which, by the way, will be in Boston April 15th. Get your tickets at minimalist.com slash tour. Um, but uh, he wrote this, this book <laughs> called Disruptors. or It was called Disrupted. Sean, you'll figure out the title. Uh, but he's, set, he's such a talented writer. 
uh, Dan Lyons, and it was just his antics of of moving from this one world to this. Now, there were times where he seemed like a total curmudgeon, and it's not because he was in his 50s, but he was just so out of his environment. I was, I've been accused of being a curmudgeon when I was in my 20s, so I had nothing to do with age, but he went from this one industry to this totally different industry, and, and it was this outsider's look inside the tech startup world, and it was illuminating. It really was. So hmm. I, I would recommend that. And the last thing I'd recommend, a podcast I've been enjoying. They only put out podcasts once a, a month. It's called L.A. Meekly. Not L.A. Weekly, but L.A. Meekly. And uh, well it's the, done. these two guys, um, <laughs> uh, Greg and, uh, oh, I think it's Daniel. Daniel and Greg. And they are as funny as you and I think we are. <laughs> they, they're just hilarious. But it's a history podcast about the city of Los Angeles. Oh, that's cool. And they put it out once a month. And part of it's scripted, but they're so quick. They can just interject inside their script. And, I mean, they're hilarious. So uh, it's a little podcast. I don't know how many people listen to it. And I don't live in L.A., but I, I can appreciate L.A. from afar. And uh, they do a great job. And it's hilarious. It comes out the first of each month, L.A. Meekly. You can check that out wherever you get your podcasts. Ryan, what's been adding value to your life recently? Well, I've got a recommendation from Mariah, actually. Okay. Um, so she has been learning coding for like the last three and a half months. Mm-hmm. And she started with this uh, with Code Academy, so it's not it's not Code Academy, it's Code, Code Academy. Academy. Code Academy. Code Academy. Code Okay. And yeah, she she really really got a lot of value out of it. Like I asked, I was asking her this morning actually. I was like, if you had to go back, because she's taken so many courses up to this point. Uh-huh. Um, like some like some of the stuff she does now, like you know, it's. Remember in The Hangover when uh, Zach Galifianakis walks into the casino and like there's all the numbers and everything going everywhere. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Like every time I see her working on something, <laughs> like I imagine that's what her mind is doing. Um, but uh, I, I was asking her this morning if she could go back um, when she started there, and she was like, "Yeah, absolutely." Like she would start at Code Academy. So anyone out there uh, wanting to learn how to code, it's a great place to start. It's a, such a useful set of skills too, oh, yeah. and it's going to just be more and more useful as as we move toward the future. All right, well, let's move on to right here, right now. This is where we get to talk about what's going on in the lives of the minimalists. I already talked about this early on, so I won't belabor the point, but we're going on tour starting with Boston. You can find that and any other tour stops that we post as we post them at theminimalists.com slash tour, and you can subscribe to our email newsletter there uh, to be the first to be notified of new events. Also, uh, other speaking gigs. We, we're doing one speaking gig a month right now, and I think we're, we're booked up for most of this year, but there's still quite a few spots toward the end of 2017, and there may be one or two spots but before then as well, like in the spring or summer. But uh, if you're interested in having the minimalists come speak to your organization, to your corporation, to your university, uh, you can just go to theminimalists.com slash speaking, and we'll be happy to, to consider that. And if you've been living under a rock for the last month, that's okay. Um, Minimalism, our documentary, which is just called Minimalism, a documentary about the important things, is now on Netflix in a bunch of countries, the U.S., Canada, Australia, U.K., Ireland, New Zealand. And if you're not in one of those countries or you don't have Netflix, you can also check it out on iTunes or Google Play or Amazon. And if you want to check out the six hours of bonus interviews that Ryan uh, mentioned earlier, those are all available exclusively on Vimeo. It's something like 20-plus videos of 
diving deep into the interviews from the film if you want to check that out. Ryan, we got anything else going on? No, man, just some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Josh. This is Lisa from Minnesota. My advice to your listeners who are moving and are wondering what to take and what to leave behind is imagine you are in your new home and you open a box and you there is the thing that you are wondering about whether you want to take. And are you thinking, wow, I'm so glad to see this. I cannot wait to use this in my new home. Or are you thinking, oh, man, what the heck was I thinking? Why did I pack this? What the heck am I going to do with this? Hi, my name is Jamie Middleton, and I live in Orlando, Florida. Recently, in, within the last couple of years, on my birthday and then at Christmas, I said, you know, I don't want things. I'd rather just do things with you guys. I'd rather have experiences. So we take a trip or we go someplace really fun or special. Um, also, uh, instead of buying things for your kids, uh, we, like, have a membership to a science museum, a children's museum, um, and those are great things to ask for if people are looking for gifts for you as a family or for your kids. Get a zoo membership or ask for a museum membership because you can make that last all through the year. And those are places that your children can go and play with quote-unquote toys that are free, that belong to someone else, and they have to manage the clutter and you don't. All right, y'all, that's it for this episode. If you have a question for The Minimalists, give us a call, 406-219-7839. And if you leave here with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. See you next time. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have you gotta reach for and you gotta grab oh i bet that you'll be fine without it so tear your eyes away or tear